Well, open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus 20, 12, if you haven't already opened there. And uh, if you're using one of the church Bibles there in the seat in front of you, somewhere the little black ones there, um, that's, I think you'll find this on page 62. But we're continuing our series on the Ten Commandments, as I alluded to earlier, and we do get... Uh, right in the middle of our business here, you know, now, right, take up family, family stuff right away. I mean, you know, if you're going to find stuff, you'll find it in the house, right? You'll find it in the home. And, uh, but God has our good in view always in his commands. So we're going to dive right into the scripture. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word. The words will be here on the screen, and because it's just one verse, and you're so full of enthusiasm, uh, let's read this from, from Exodus 20:12 aloud and together. Reading, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the truth and the life that's in your word always. We open it with expectation every time. Lord, I, I, I trust there are people even who came here today by a sheer act of their will, hoping that you had something of truth and life to say to them. We all have need of it. You know what those needs are and how you and only you can speak into them. So God, we open our hearts and our ears to you today to receive what you have for us and ask that you would speak, Lord, your word by your spirit through your servant to your people for your glory and for our good always. I, I ask as I always do that you would just move me out of the way using my voice to communicate what you have to us today. In Christ's name, amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> In a book titled, uh, You Learn by Living, Eleanor Roosevelt wrote that this, I quote, our children must learn to face full responsibility for their actions, to make their own choices and cope with the results. The whole democratic system depends on it. For our system is founded on self-government, which is untenable if the individuals who make up the system are unable to govern themselves. Our whole system of self-government depends upon children learning to govern themselves. Eleanor Roosevelt says, and I think she's right. They learned that as part of a family. Israel was intended to be a nation who had only God as their king. I don't know if you remember that far back, but that was God's intention, that they would be a nation who had God only as their king. Their establishment as a nation was to be an exercise in self-government under God which is how historically we've referred to ourselves at times. But then, <clears throat> excuse me, as now, for a people to govern themselves, each person must govern himself. 
This is just a fundamental truth. For, for a people to govern themselves, each person must, must govern himself and must do so according to a shared set of moral values. Well, the Ten Commandments provided that set of moral values. That was part of the purpose for which they were given. That as a nation, this would provide the foundation for all the other laws that were written to govern them uh, civilly. Commandments 5 through 10 make up what we call the second table of the law. As I, as I mentioned earlier, they, they describe our duty to our fellow man, where commandments 1 through 4 um, describe our duty to God. In fact, Jesus summed the law up, you may remember, in uh, two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. Command commandments 5 through 10 are summed up in that way. But the fact that the second table of the law begins with this command suggests that honor and respect is learned in the home, but then that respect is transferred broadly throughout society. In other words, that our relationships with one another in every context and our order and peace of life together in every context depends upon a sense of respect for people that is first learned in the home. I don't know if you're tracking with me, <clears throat> but if you're not, we're probably in trouble. But the sequence of the commands here is not random. In general, as Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In general, people will not love their neighbor properly if they do not learn love and honor well within the context of the family. Now, there are exceptions to that uh, on an individual level, but, but if you're talking about sort of in, in general and broadly speaking, if you look at a community, at a society, at any population or subpopulation, if you have um, honor and love in the home, you'll find it broadly in that population. And if you have a sense of dishonor and disorder and disrespect in the home, you'll find broadly a sense of disrespect um, outside of it. In fact, uh, Augustine said, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? If anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? The very people who gave him life Now already, I'll sort, of, I'll sort of preface some of what's coming because already some here know this commandment touches a nerve. Because for some, depending on our backgrounds, this is a whole lot easier said than done. And we're gonna get, we're gonna get to that in a minute, but the reality doesn't, doesn't change. The reality of this that if we fail to honor parents, it's likely there's no one that will be spared. And knowing that, it's not surprising when Paul describes uh, cultures in decay. In Romans chapter 1 and in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you can look them up at a later time. 
But when he is, when he is naming the kinds of um, attitudes and behaviors, characteristics of, of a culture just in decay, things like lovers of God, lovers of self, arrogant, proud, and so forth, in both, in both places, he lists among the characteristics of those cultures that they are disobedient to parents along with being liars and defiled in every other way that is remarkable from a biblical standpoint when a culture becomes identifiable as disobedient to parents. Um, it's a sign that wreckage is in the future. And so I, I want to look just quickly at the uh, command itself and the promise associated with the command and then um, offer some implications and applications of that in a variety of ways. So the command obviously just says, honor your father and mother. Honor entails reverence, obedience, and gratitude. Honor in, in, in entails reverence, obedience, and gratitude. That as what we're, what we're looking to cultivate in our own hearts, the hearts of our children, and so forth. Toward parents is reverence, obedience, and gratitude. Now, I can be honest and think back uh, on not too many years ago, raising kids in my own home. That was a lot for me to be asking for or expecting. Reverence, obedience, and gratitude. In fact, plenty of parents... Uh, can demand outward respect temporarily. They have kids, you know, who act respectful. They behave respectfully. They, they toe the line, so to speak. They're all tucked in and buttoned up, like Dad says. But in the, in the final analysis, what, what, what proves itself out is that it, 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 it birthed resentment <laughs> in the heart and not gratitude because of the way that that was uh, communicated and delivered and so forth. Some of you may know that either on the giving or the receiving side of it. But that's the command to honor, that is reverence, obey, and, and, and be thankful for your father and mother. The promise associated with that is that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Paul says in Ephesians 6, it's the first command with promise, and it is, it's actually the only command of the Ten Commandments with a promise directly associated with it. God has instituted the family as the most basic social unit through which he accomplishes his will on the earth. In fact, God's established three institutions, family, church, and civil government, through which he works to accomplish his will on the earth, the family being the most basic of those. And essentially the, prom the implication of the promise is that those who honor his plan for the family will be better off than those who spurn it. Those who honor God's plan for the family will be better off than those who spurn it. There's actually a fair amount of social science research um, that, that proves that point, but it's not necessary really to delve into that. It's sufficient just to know God commands us to honor our parents and that there is a promise from him attached 
to it. But I want to uh, just sort of in obedience to the command and in our pursuit of the promise, um, offer guidance in three ways. And I, and I think, or, or I should say really uh, draw out of what's, what's in the text here and elsewhere, guidance in three ways. That is for parents of young children, Number two, guidance for children of aging parents. And, and I'll, I'll just say what I, what I really have in view there is um, children who are no longer at home under the roof of their parents, but beyond that, at that point in your life. You know, your parents are always aging, um, but, uh, but, but, but the children of adult and, and aging parents. And then... Um, guidance for children of dishonorable parents because for some of us that's where the rubber has to meet the road is how do you honor those who have been dishonorable so first let's talk about guidance here for parents of young children as I implied earlier I mean respect for parents is not just natural or automatic um, if you didn't know that you probably don't have children <laughs> or you had them so long ago you just don't remember and uh, you're writing uh, some fairy tale version of your own past it, it is not just natural or, or, or automatic it must be commanded by God even here if children are not taught to honor their parents they will not do it and parents have to begin by nurturing obedience to the commandment long before the child can. And that's one of the interesting things um, about this is it's, it, it really is a commandment that's addressed to children, right? Even if they're adult children. But it is children honor your parents. But long before our children can even understand who God is, and why they should care about his commandments, parents actually have to cultivate in their hearts a sense of reverence and obedience and gratitude and teach them to honor their parents. And so how do you do that? Well, first of all, and there are more ways than I'm gonna mention, but here are a few I think that are um, significant. But first, love, love your children well. Okay, love your children well and love them as a matter of first importance. I would say there too, uh, love your children and parent your children for their good and not for your own glory as a parent. Now here's, here's really what I mean by that, is that it's, it's, easy, it's easy to approach parenting with this awareness of whatever the parenting trends are around us, what our, how our friends are raising their kids, what they do and don't do, what they allow their kids to do or don't allow their kids to do, and all those kinds of things. We can, we can parent our kids with an awareness of what our parents think we ought to do, how they parented, and so on and so forth, what the in-laws think. But we can, we, we can be parenting in such a way where we are... Uh, seeking more the admiration of other people. Essentially that we're performing and we go out and say, look how good my kids are. 
as opposed to parenting them with their own good in view. You understand the distinction when I say that? Love them well in that respect and aim for your love to be known more than your lordship over them. That they would know above all things that you love them. Uh, not simply that you're your Lord over them. I would say also though, love them well enough not to be their friend. And hopefully uh, in time, you will become more and more of a friend the older and older they get. And this is, this is kind of the irony of it. That if, that if you establish that, uh, the, the right bounds of that per, you know, parent-child relationship, um, a sense of love and respect and so forth, that in time, uh, your child can become a great friend. Um, if you start out trying to be a friend, you're more likely to have a, a train wreck later of it. So that's the first, to uh, love your children well. Second is um, maybe the obvious part, teach them to be respectful, obedient, and thankful. And it can't really be done without loving well. As I said, you can have, you can have parents who um, have obviously taught their kids to be respectful. You can, you can see as an observer in a passing moment that the child behaves in a respectful way. But there is sort of an underlying story there too about how much love characterizes that and time will tell um, the difference in many cases. But you can't really teach that properly, I'd say, without loving well. And I should insert here, again, parenthetically, what I, what I, the, the reason I started out the service with the prayer that I did was, is to say that all, at all angles around this thing, <laughs> we'll find ways in which we, we do not do it and haven't done it perfectly, right? Um, and so God is gracious. That's what grace is. And he does for us what we can't do for ourselves. I don't know if any of the rest of you need it, but I sure do thank the Lord for it. But for young children living um, in their parents' household, uh, Ephesians 6 places the emphasis on obedience. You know, that I said here that, that honor in, entails reverence, obedience, and gratitude. And, and for the children, for the child living in the house, um, Ephesians 6, when Paul is talking about this to the, to, the, to the family there, the emphasis is on obedience. He said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. That the child in the, in the household, their obedience to this commandment is best displayed, best carried out in the way of obedience to their parents. The reverence and gratitude hopefully will come more later. I would say though too, as you teach them to be respectful and obedient um, and thankful, teach them that your authority as a parent comes from God and there, there are limits to it. That there are limits to it. Um, that there's a right time to say no 
to authority. This is a, this is a tricky subject, but I'm telling, the reason this comes to mind is there has been, there has been such a horrific, horrific cycle and revelation of, of abuse by authority figures on children, particularly by clergy, right? In the Roman Catholic Church, but also in Protestant churches. I mean, there's just horrific pattern of abuse that is, that is just hard to imagine. And one of the, it, it, is, it is to me just one of the most disturbing and awful kinds of offenses against humanity at any level. Because you've got a child who trusts this person and has been taught, don't you say no. Don't you say no to me. You follow where I'm going with this? In other words, somehow in there, we need to try to develop in the minds and hearts of our kids that there are boundaries to human authority that is given, is given to them by God. And certainly if any human authority would insist that they disobey God's authority. Uh, that that's an order, a command that we can say no to. I don't know if that all makes sense, um, but I think that's important somehow to get into the, the minds of our kids. Love them well, teach them to be respectful, obedient, thankful. And number three, model for them how to honor people in authority. You know, teaching does not just mean telling. But teaching also means showing. And as parents, we can model for them how to honor people in authority, including our own parents. That'll come next as an application to those of us who have, who are adult children and have older parents. But even beyond just honoring our parents, show them how to honor authority by doing things like obeying the law. Uh, obeying the homeowners association rules that you agreed to, right? You, you, you saw a copy before you ever bought a house in that neighborhood. I mean, don't, in other words, you know, if you, if you disobey some of those rules and essentially say to your kids explicitly or implicitly, well, that's a stupid rule. I'm not going to follow that one. They are making notes. They see your wink, even if you didn't mean to wink. They understand, they, they learn from, from what we model how conditional we really think authority is. And what we reap, we'll sow in that way. The, the, the other one I'd say in that way, in that sort of category, don't speak ill of your child's teachers, coaches, and other authority figures in their life. This has become a trend. I know this one in a little bit more personal way as a former school administrator, but I've, I've seen it even just outside of that context. Uh, that people, that, that parents just venting about their child's teacher or coach or whoever it is right in front of the child. As if the good news in all that is their child knows that, that the parents, their advocate, 
Well, that, I mean, that is a nice, right? That's an encouraging thing for the child to know. But there is another side. There is another message being sent there. Once again, about regard for authority. And, and it's this honor your parents thing is not entirely about parents. It, it is about uh, learning honor and respect for other people and, and respect for authority that's going to be applied everywhere they live. We need to keep the bigger picture in view. Well, we can't show contempt or disregard for authority and then expect our children to show unconditional respect for it. So, so that's guidance for parents of young children. Love your children well. Teach them to be respectful. Model for them how to honor those in authority. The second sort of piece of guidance here is for children of aging parents. And I won't linger on this one for too terribly long here, but Jesus reminds us in Matthew 15 that this commandment does apply to adult children. It's, this is, Paul applies it to children in the household. Jesus addresses this to adult children who would have aging parents. You may remember where he speaks to the Pharisees and the scribes, and he says, God commanded, uh, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, Pharisees and scribes, if anyone tells his father or mother what, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you, you've made void the word of God. If that's not a familiar passage to you, basically what was going on is the Pharisees and scribes had kind of written this exception clause in, uh, in the Ten Commandments for themselves to say, um, rather than honoring our father and, and, and mother as they age by, by being sure we've made provision to take care of them, we, say, we can say, well, what, what, what I would have had for you... I've set aside for God, you know, because I'm real spiritual and all. And, and, and so Jesus says, you know, you have forsaken the commandments of God for your own tradition. Essentially, that was kind of the message he was getting at. But, but obviously the commandment, this fifth commandment, he's saying applies to the way adult children honor their parents even on into their adulthood. Many times after we're grown and gone and on our own, uh, and we no longer have to obey our parents, we find in the best case scenarios, I suppose, that we're growing in reverence and gratitude for them. So in other words, if honor, if honor consists of reverence, obedience, and gratitude, when we're children in the home, that mostly uh, works itself out in the way of obedience. Once we're out of the home, it really works itself out mostly in the way of reverence and gratitude. And we may find out, once we begin having children of our own, how grateful we are for our parents. We weren't before, but we are now. And maybe a sense of reverence and esteem uh, grows with that in time. Well, certainly that's more true for some than others. But really the point is that even though we, we demonstrate honor differently as adult children, our obligation to honor our parents continues. So, so when they, they can no longer drive, 
when they can't take care of themselves, when they're showing signs of Alzheimer's or dementia. It may be for many of us, for many of us, we have to set our own priorities aside and make our parents a priority. Lots of you in this room can tell that story. You've been there and done that, maybe for a really protracted period of time, in a, in a really sacrificial way, an emotionally difficult way. And of course, in all of that, unlike we did with our young children, we can't just say to our parents, you don't talk back to me, right? Because agent mama will talk back. She might even use words you didn't know mama used. Never heard mama talk like that before. She's getting a little ornery. But see, it really does, it, 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 it makes the challenge difficult, right, in a, in, a, in a whole different set of ways. Because of the nature of that relationship in the first place, because of the kind of reverence you have, and yet this need to try to care for the one who cared for you. It's honor. Like love, honor is a verb. It's not a feeling. It's a verb. It's an action word. It's an action word that's commanded even when we don't feel like it, which is going to be a whole lot of the time. Again, even in the best of cases, and it's likely to require sacrifice and patience. So there's guidance for uh, the adult children of aging parents. And then, and then thirdly and finally, guidance for children of dishonorable parents. Um, this one almost, sh I was going to say cannot go without being said. It certainly should not go without being said. Because there are many people for whom the idea of honoring their parents is extremely difficult. Extremely difficult. They can't find honor anywhere in them. I mean, there, there, there may be past the point of having to obey, but there's no sense of reverence and no sense of gratitude at all. In fact, maybe in some cases, it's the, it's the exact opposite because their parents were so thoroughly dishonorable. There, there may have been situations where there was uh, physical or, or sexual abuse. Parents may have been engaged in criminal activity, maybe even spent a good bit of childhood in prison, maybe in and out of prison, maybe in a way that just brought shame on the family, on the child, who had to go, go to school with students who know what the story is about this parent, who nobody really wants to say out loud, but everybody wants to whisper about. And the child lives their whole childhood with that kind of thing. Some who live in a home where the parent is mentally and emotionally unstable, many times because of mental illness that might be undiagnosed and or untreated. Many times self-treated with alcohol and drugs, right? Self-medicating in that way. A parent... Uh, is, is numbing whatever pain of their own situation and the fallout falls upon the children. 
And it may have just been, may just been a background of, of uh, irresponsibility and neglect or whatever the case may be. But if that, if that is entirely unfamiliar to you, you ought not to leave here today without thanking God for it. The grace of having, having grown up in a home where, where, where nothing uh, dishonorable could be said on balance about any of your parents. It's true of lots of people. But here's the hard part of it, folks, because if it's true for you and if you fall into that category, even so, the commandment itself is unconditional. I mean, there's no place in the scripture that exonerates us from honoring our parents in the same way that honoring other uh, authority figures. Again, we know that there, there's limits to our obedience to any number of authority figures if they are, are disobeying the commands of God. But, but we don't have to obey just good leaders. We have to obey all of those appointed uh, in positions of authority over, over us. And it's certainly stated unconditionally about our parents. We don't get to opt out of it. And yet... There are necessarily some limits or constraints on how we can go about obeying those. Because, for instance, the the child who was sexually abused by their parent is not going to bring that parent into their home uh, when he's aging and showing signs of Alzheimer's or whatever. You know, you understand what I mean? Like they're just think that it just doesn't work. Uh, and I should, I'm not stating that absolutely, by the way, for some that for whatever reason, by the grace of God, that may work. But it is to say, even though there, even though the commandment is on its face unconditional, there may be limits to how exactly we obey it. So here are just a few suggestions in that regard. Number one is maintain healthy boundaries. Maintain healthy boundaries. Um, so you probably have already been doing that in your life, but part, part of the reason I even say it is to affirm those are healthy. There's nothing unchristian about them. That's not unloving. You're not disobeying God by doing that. That, that some of those boundaries in life are, are just healthy. There are people who are toxic And, and, it's, and it's still poisonous after 25 years. That if you reintroduce it into your life now, it's still going to be the same way. And in, in some cases, you may not be able to maintain a relationship at all. Like a real relationship. You might not have a relationship with the person at all because of, again, past abuse or whatever the case may be. Um, and you... Uh, are certainly right not to enable their sinful or destructive behaviors or beliefs or that kind of thing. That's a, in other words, that's a healthy boundary to establish. There's nothing about God's law that commands it. Honoring them doesn't mean enabling whatever their destructive behavior may be. To so maintain healthy boundaries. Number two is for some harder. Uh, maybe for some, seemingly impossible, but speak charitably of them. Speak charitably of them. 
Um, if you can find something about your parent that you can be thankful for, speak of it when you have an opportunity. I read a story this week about a church where um, on Father's Day, Mother's Day, they would frequently have a time of just, you know, testimony and sharing that kind of thing. Come to, come to the microphone and just share something, you know, you're thankful for about your parents or whatever. And the person writing this um, article says there's one woman who apparently it was her routine to come, this uh, quiet older woman uh, came up with a little tear running down her cheek and said, my father was a drinking man, but when he wasn't drinking, he was a good man. And that was all she could say. That was all she could say. Probably couldn't even specify in what way he was good. But there may be something you can, you can recall that there actually is to be thankful for. Maybe just the fact that your parents are the ones who gave you life. Uh, that, that maybe your, um, your, your mother or father who was on balance very dishonorable in your experience but was a good provider for you provided you a good education, uh, three meals a day, etc., whatever there might be that you can find to be thankful for. Thank God for it and, and, and speak of it when you have opportunity. And as I said, there really, there really may be some cases where even that just is not possible right now. You, you, you can't really find anything authentically uh, to be thankful for. And so if that's the case, number three would be, at, at the very least, don't speak ill of them. You can honor a dishonorable parent um, by, by, at the very least, not speaking ill of them. There, there, are, there are stories of people whose parents have done unimaginable evil to them. I know, I know of situations, it, if I told you, you would believe that was made up in some kind of uh, crime novel or, or, you know, criminal suspense, drama or something like that, that that didn't happen to real people. You can't imagine, you can't imagine the kinds of things some people have experienced from a parent. As I said, it's, it, it is to me, uh, just in general, some of the most tragic offenses against humanity when it is the very people who are supposed to love us most and we're supposed to trust most who commit uh, atrocious offenses. And in some of those cases, there really may be things that need to be said. Like, in other words, if, if, if the best you can do is not speak ill about somebody, there may be some other things you do need to say, and maybe you need to say them to a counselor or a pastor or a therapist or whatever. You really might need to process some of that. Uh, but avoid the temptation to turn your family Thanksgiving or Christmas gathering into a counseling session. You know, where, where you get together with other family members who know just enough of the story that you can unload, you know, and when you've, you've had a little bit too much eggnog, you know, then, then uh, you know, you start 
start venting over the Christmas carols, you know, whatever. And everybody's getting comfortable and, and or uncomfortable rather and kind of awkward in the middle of that. There may be things that need to be said, say them in the right way, but, but one of the things we can do um, that, is, that is an act of honoring our parents is not speaking ill when you know you know that there is, they've, they've certainly done plenty to deserve, quote unquote, on a, on a certain level, to be maligned in that way verbally. Like you feel like you're justified in saying it. And then on a certain level, that may be true. Here's the hard thing to accept in those situations. Less hard in, uh, in some of the better situations where you had a really healthy home environment. But because of what God has said in the fifth commandment, parents are intrinsically worthy of honor because they're parents. Um, Even when when they are so dishonorable, there's a measure of honor that, that, and, and this is in today's culture, Honor and respect for anybody is sort of negotiated. It's like, I'll respect you if, if you prove to me you deserve my respect. And there are people who have that mindset, and whether that's about their parents or about their teachers and school principals, whether it's about the police and political uh, authorities or whoever it might be, their starting place is, you don't get any respect from me until you've proved you owe it. There are some, God says, who intrinsically are worthy of it and who deserve it and toward whom he commands it from us because he he has done so and ordered it so for our good, for our good. And so again, there may be here um, today, out of this commandment, you know that you've, you have a lot to be thankful for to God, and maybe you wanna go home today and, um, and make a call to a parent um, and express gratitude because you realize you have a lot to be thankful for toward them too. There may be others who are at the other end of the continuum and say, it's going to be an act of my will and I need the, the, the power of God working in me just to be able not to speak ill of my father or mother or whoever it was that did such horrible things. Many of us probably live in between there uh, one way or the other. But as we conclude... Uh, I'm going to pray here in just a moment, but really as we conclude our service, again, there may be some, there, there's something you really need to deal with here. Like it, just, it just needs to be brought before the Lord in prayer before you even walk out of here. I'm going to invite you and uh, create opportunity to do that today. Well, let's pray together. Lord, you are good all the time. And you have our good in your heart to do.
You've given us a way to walk on this earth that is uh, most likely to bring that to pass. And we thank you for it. And Father, I, I just uh, lift up to you once again, families, because we, we see it at every uh, turn. We're thankful for our parents, God. Even those we might be able to say, well, they did, they did their best. Perhaps they maybe even parented better than they themselves had been parented. But there are lots of other scars and wounds and things that come along with that. So we submit that to you, but God, we pray that you would re help us to recover environments in our families where, where young parents are raising young children even right now. Lord, would you, would you help them make their homes places where there is love in full measure and respect and obedience to accompany it. And for those of us, Lord, grown and gone from the house, trying to sort through how we honor and love aging parents, many times that's where the issues get more complicated. So Father, help us to see them with clarity. Would you cover us with grace that we might be gracious in our dealings with them? All of that we lay before you knowing that you're willing and able to answer every prayer, meet every need, to bring to pass uh, what it is that you've commanded. So we ask you'll do so in the name of Jesus. Amen.